Hello and welcome everybody to your ride in the Besenwagen. Get in, fasten your seatbelt and we'll take you with us on our journey to cycling professionals. We're roaming through their careers and try to get a look on who they really are. You're listening to Andreas Schauf, Paul Voss and Bastian Marx. And after over 130 episodes of our German podcast Besenwagen, we decided to go international. My two colleagues are ex-professional cyclists and now also gravel pro, riders agent, performance manager and coach. While I am doing a bit of everything without ever having been fast on a bike. In Besenwagen International, we interview people out of the women's and men's peloton and ask them what we think could lead to good stories. Always with a good chunk of humor. As you're listening to three German guys, please be kind while judging our English. Have fun and Abfahrt! Welcome on board of Besenwagen Airlines. Normally our yellow bus follows the peloton and picks up dropped riders. But today we take off and leave Germany with destination LA International Airport. This is my first time providing the safety information in English. I hope everyone can inflate their life with themselves. <laughs> my name is Bastian Marx. My name is Paul Voss. My name is Andy Stauf. And as usual, the bus is fueled by Rafa. Today we welcome and a warm welcome to Corin Rivera. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm quite excited. Because as, as I told, this is our first time in English and um, yeah, my, my girlfriend is an English teacher, so I'll be judged afterwards. <laughs> Perfect. It's She's a test for you, not for me. <laughs> She's sitting behind you, yeah? Already. <laughs> yeah, but I have some German lessons here too with uh, Liane Lippert. <laughs> so we can check your German knowledge. Um, a kind of cliche first question, but... Do you remember anything you did the first time? In in German or what do no, you mean? No, no, just something you did for the first time. In well, I got married for the first time on <laughs> Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been also my my, my quote probably. I guess. <laughs> and hopefully last time. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. This is actually the, uh, I just wrote that here, uh, the Just Married Cyclist podcast, because like two, <laughs> two weeks ago we had Ben Zwiehoff who had married the weekend before, <laughs> so we can maybe make that a tradition. Yeah, you're part of the honeymoon. Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> Where are the drinks? <laughs> yeah. but, but the thing is really that the guys... <clears throat> already said it before i'm always having a thing with the names of our guests so i'm looking at the names and find them funny or nice and i kind of liked your Cohen rivera rivera and now la becky i'm not sure yet la becky sounds <laughs> also cool but uh that one was quite was quite nice looked good you know written down yeah yeah rivera has a good flow but i might take some time to get used to la becky but I mean, everybody knows Lizzie Dignan. Does anyone remember mm. her last name before? Armistead. Yeah. <laughs> Is that oh, true? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Uh, yeah, I've, I was a fan before. <laughs> um, yeah, as I already told you, as usual, I try to sum up your like victories or success in your career before so that our listeners um, have a clue 
who you are as a cyclist. Um, above all, there's the big number. You're gonna get it. It's 72. You won 72 national titles, um, 17 in the road race, um, 25 on track. In cyclocross, mountain bike, mountain bike, short track, pretty much everything you can do on a bicycle. But this BM BMX. BMX is missing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's that's gonna come when you're 50 or something. <laughs> <laughs> My midlife crisis. Yeah, it's better than a Harley, I think. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, At least uh, my feet can touch the floor with a BMX bike. I don't know about the Harley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you got uh, you went pro with a contract at United Healthcare for three years and are now uh, five years at Sunweb. Um, I already talked uh, to part of your agent team. We can uh, discuss in this episode where you're going afterwards. <laughs> um, yeah, I think your biggest success, um, maybe you can prove me wrong, is uh, the victory at the Tour of Flanders. You uh, also won the Trofeo Binda. You got second and third at Plouay. You won four stages of the Thüringen Rundfahrt, finally a German word. Uh, <laughs> you get third at the Junior Road Race World Championships, uh, won a tour at the uh, won a stage at the Tour of the Limousine. You were also world champion in team time trial. You won a stage at the Women's Tour and also the GC. Two stages at the Belgium Tour and the recent year, 2021, you got 20 top tens, mm, five times second. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at the Giro, the Vuelta, the Nationals and two times in Norway but you also won a stage at the Giro Donne and um, like two weeks ago you were 10th at the World Championship you were born in Garden Grove, South LA and are 29 years old 1 meter 55, that's the uh, thing with the feet touching the ground Uh, pr pretty light and your family came to the US from the Philippines that's like my summary that's all correct I would say yes <laughs> success I have a first question so you're 29 now and yeah. you, won, you won 17 road titles 17 How's, no 17 on the road no, ah, yeah on oh, the road true, no? 17 yeah, yeah how's it possible like <laughs> Well, Crit I shame. think I, I counted right. everything from uh, from juniors and then also in the U.S. You can race um, in college or university. Okay. And uh, I think uh, racing in college doubled the amount of national championships that I had. And plus, I raced cyclocross and track um, and uh, mountain bike. So that uh, that doubled my count. <laughs> <laughs> But um, honestly, racing collegiately in the U.S. is actually really fun. It's probably one of the most fun uh, times of my career um, where everyone's like focused on getting a degree. Um, but at the same time, we're trying to race and ride. And it's really a fun type of racing. Uh, everyone still wants to win and do well. Um, but you're also there to like make yourself better too. So, um, and a lot of those friendships I had then, I still hold really closely now. So, um, yeah, it was just a really cool time of my life. Yeah, it's a real different world, huh? Like this college sport, isn't it? It's like hey, we I mean, don't American, know it in Germany. Yeah, we, in Germany we don't have that. Mm -hmm. I yeah. think in Europe we even don't have that yeah. kind of system. Yeah, I think in in England maybe. Great Britain. Yeah, maybe there, but it's yeah. like. 
I can hear that quite often. They work for college teams and like yeah. have their own championships and so on. <clears> yeah. <throat> but do you get fundings there as well? Is it like being in a team, like in a proper team, or is it like school? Yeah, sport? a little bit actually. A little bit funded. Like we are able to get scholarship. So I was on a pretty big scholarship to go to Marion University, and they're in um, Indiana. So it's like two thousand miles away from California. Um, but yeah, no. At least for, say, American football, if you're playing for a university, you can't be pro, so you can only do one or the other. Um, but for cycling, it's not under the NCAA, which is, like, the governing body of college sports. Um, it's under, like, the Cycling Federation. So you can be pro and race collegiately at the same time. Um, but it just depends on the university, how much funding they have, um, and how they can support the sport. Um, and Marion was actually pretty well supported and we traveled on a bus and everything. Mm -hmm. Not as nice as a team bus with showers. There were no showers at all, <laughs> only one toilet. And, uh, so that made it a little rough, but, um, no, it was really well, well, uh, prepared and well funded. And we go to races in a bus, like ready to win, um, and pretty organized. So sometimes I can say Marion is even a little more organized than other pro teams. <laughs> <laughs> and so you also got your college degree then? Yeah, I did. I um, got a bachelor's degree in um, marketing. Oh, okay. Ah, nice. We could employ you maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, in which years did you ride a cycle course? Or like until when? When was the last year? You have to know, Paul is also really good cycle cross rider. Oh, well, I, I was. Been. You, yeah, I, you I have was. been <laughs> national champion. No, have yeah, you? like once, but like I did worlds and you. Yeah, but you have that in common. <laughs> uh, yeah, we have that in common. Yeah, <laughs> I have one. Seventeen, but that's a slight difference. <laughs> yeah, is, you are a bit like Corin Rivera. Yeah, Corin Labecki. Corin Labecki. Yeah. Um, yeah. Until when? I I actually don't remember the year. I, I'm too old now. I think maybe 2013. 14. It was okay. like my second or third year in university. Um, and since my university was like kind of in the middle of the US, there were more races that I could get to from California. There's not so many and you always have to fly um, or drive a lot. So I was able to get to a lot of big races from the Midwest. And then uh, at, at the elite nationals, I got fifth. It was probably my best elite nationals. Um, and then the year after that, I think I stopped. So um <laughs> Yeah, so I think it was 13 or 14. Oh, okay, so you never went to like the the Worlds or something? Worlds. Like, no. Well, I did go to Louisville as a spectator because that was only two hours away. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I didn't race that one. I just drank a lot. <laughs> was it that year when everything was underwater? Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. And then all the races got pushed to one day and... Um, Yeah, I don't remember much else, but one, at one point I was in the ele elevator with Svenis <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess you won the race today. <laughs> Do you know what Besenwagen is, the name of the podcast? I don't know what Basin means, but I know like a wagon is like a car it's, or a van. Yeah, it's uh, like... Broomwagon? Yeah, it's a broomwagon. Yeah, exactly. It's a broomwagon, yeah. yeah. So next question. Do you have any broomwagon memories? Did you sit there yourself? <laughs> um, so I have a good one from Strada Bianchi. It's, it wasn't a broom wagon. Um, cause I, I don't think I've ever actually been in the official broom wagon, but 
at Strada Bianchi, I think it was 2018, and it was freezing cold and raining. Um, I just like hit the wall. I just couldn't keep myself warm. I had a hard time breathing. My hands were cold. All the cars were passing me. Uh, I think I had like one last bottle from the team and I, I just couldn't continue. I couldn't make it. I was just going to stop and huddle under a tree until someone found me later. <laughs> so <laughs> as cars were passing, I was asking every single car if I could just get in because I knew I wasn't going to make it. <laughs> My little, uh, California self had um, had found the limit there and couldn't warm up anymore and I couldn't feel my hands and it was just awful or couldn't even pedal my bike and I knew it was still a long long way to go to the finish line um, so uh, luckily the B pink car um, had space in their car to take me in so I was begging every single car that went by to take me in please take me in your car I can't make it and uh, they put me in before one of the gravel sections, and um, yeah, they were giving me like tea and stuff, and they're even they were even like trying to warm my hands up and everything. So, um, not really a broom wagon story, but um, pretty dang close. <laughs> That actually happens more often than you think. Um, <laughs> like dropped riders who who missed maybe the last chance to get in the broom wagon or something like that. They they try to go back with private cars. I, I had that a few times, and even one of my teammates, he took a taxi. <laughs> at Milan San Remo. <laughs> in, We in all San know Remo, that story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was That's so yeah, super cold, and <clears throat> he was also from South Africa. So pretty much a big difference. He just came straight from South Africa to Italy and then was like probably 35 degrees difference. And then he took a taxi for like 150 euros or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had like a similar How story with like former teammates in Milram, like in Wevelgem. Like everyone tried to stop at the food zone, get into the team cars, but they were full and the, the boom wagon <laughs> passed by. So the guys had to go by bike to the finish line and they got lost, two of them. And by the time everyone was in the finish and they start to like, yeah everyone started to leave to the airport we drove off the bus to the airport underneath a bridge and over the bridge you could see the two guys passing by and it got dark <laughs> so by then <laughs> they still were searching the finish line <laughs> so yeah I, i think that will never happen actually to, to someone again good thing in this english thing is we can tell all the stories again we already told in german, german. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll sound different <laughs> okay uh now to a topic i really like to talk about because we have like a common friend or you know my friend benny uh i shall greet you <laughs> and um like i visited him and kind of like know your cycling area because you still live there um yeah uh is, is it laguna beach or how is it called exactly where you live so um, I used to have my own place in Newport Beach, and mm -hmm. I grew up in Tustin, California. Um, so in general, it's Orange County. So that's about one hour south of Los Angeles mm -hmm. and also an hour north of San Diego. So we're kind of in the middle. Um, it's not as big as, the, as L.A. or San Diego. It's a little bit smaller area. Um, but there's still some pretty decent riding. And I grew up here, so I, and I'm still here, so it's just like my hometown roads. And then, um, and there's also some pretty iconic group rides um, that mm -hmm. happen on the weekends here. 
one being a food park on Saturdays, and then the other one who's that's probably a little bit more famous uh, is Como Street, and that's been going on, I think, for since like the 70s or 80s or something. I'm not really sure. Wow. Um, but uh, like a lot of big named riders show up and ride it. Like I heard Lance and Floyd Landis and I don't know who else, some local pros um, come by and, and ride it back in the day. Um, and that's that's actually where I met Ben. And um, I, I was just saw him riding and I was like, man, I was like, this guy like kind of knows what he's doing. Like, I, I feel like he's not from around here. <laughs> Uh, I think the way that like Americans and Euros ride and also drive is very different. And uh, I could pick it out really quickly. And then I think he was also on a T-Mobile giant or, or, <laughs> no, or it's just, just a, a giant. giant. Yeah. It's the same model. Yeah. But, it wasn't yeah. T-Mobile. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cause I was just thinking like, ah, how did he get this bike? Yeah. I guess then it's not, it wasn't a T-Mobile one, huh? Just a giant. Just a giant. Yeah, but okay. zip but, but, wheels and <laughs> yeah. But it's actually yeah. really funny. But you really can see like who's from Europe and who's from the states. Yeah, yeah that's what like I wanted um, to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's funny. Yeah, um, for sure. Just the riding style and just the way they they conduct themselves and move. And I was like, oh, yeah, tell I can. I feel. I was like, I feel like I can trust this wheel. <laughs> 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 yeah, and then we got talking about a food truck afterwards, and I was like, oh, this guy's actually pretty cool. And then I was realized that he's not American and that he's German. So, um, yeah, tell us the differences yeah, because you have huge experience in uh, California and you live in Europe as a pro. And w yeah. what, what are the differences in, in riding a bike? Like in how the people are, how the motivation is like or style or something. What, yeah. what could you tell? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I would say for, for bikes, like, um, The Euros, there's like a, a structure and organization to riding and, um, you know, you're like two by two, you're not like this massive group on the road or whatever. And, um, like you could, you could look like you like don't have a lot of money or you, uh, you don't like look pro, but you actually still ride hard. Like there's a lot of those kind of riders in Europe, um, And then, yeah, you everybody like swings off on the right side or whatever. Or there's like a lot of bike paths and they're really mindful of where you should be on the road and cars and whatever. And then in the U.S., I think people mostly want to look good, <laughs> maybe ride slow. And then you're just kind of a blob on the road and uh, you get super mad when cars buzz you and you freak out and you start cursing <laughs> and whatever else. But, but then you forget you're sharing the road but, and you're just all over the road. So, like, there's a reason why you probably get mad, get, you know, yelled at and stuff. Um, I'm sure it still happens in, in Europe and everything, but I think it happens a little more often here because cycling just isn't as common. Um, and then you come out in a big old group and everybody just wants to be there and it's just massive. And uh, I feel like the drivers, too, don't know how to, like, react with, with cyclists either. So they either don't pass or they pass too closely or I don't know. They just don't know how to do it. <laughs> We have to tell that you live in the Netherlands when you are in Europe. And uh, yeah. I think every one of us <laughs> three could completely tell another story from Germany. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, yeah, we, uh, yeah, you are tried to get killed when, <laughs> when you ride in a German city. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I do 
I was now in the States like two times this year. And also like your area, like Newport Beach and also like north of uh, LA, so San Francisco and so on. And I feel most of the time safer than in Germany mm. because the people are, as you said, they don't, they don't know if they can actually pass, so they wait. So that's a bit annoying and they're driving really, really slow sometimes, you know? And uh, mm -hmm. also like stopping at these stop signs, like all four cars have to stop in, in Germany. You have a rule, you know, like the, the, the car who comes first or like at least the, rights, the right car has, you know, can pass first. So you don't have these rules in the States, so everyone is driving a bit more casually. And it's weird that you come back to Germany and here, my first day out, I felt like I get just killed, you know? <laughs> and <laughs> They pass no, you with 100 kilometers yeah. an hour I and mean, stuff the, the, like the that. The only really scary thing in the, in the US is if you have these guys with these massive pickups and I you know they, they can't even look over the steering wheel. You have the feeling sometimes, <laughs> you know? And then they pass you actually really close or... Uh, too fast, but uh, most of the time I actually feel safer in the States than I feel uh, than I feel in Germany. Yeah? Weirdly. Yeah, sometimes too. There's like bike pa or like bike lanes, so then you have like a specific space on the road for bikes, which I also find helps a lot. You know. Yeah, it's true. Yeah? Um, let's talk about amateur racing. Um, here in Germany, like we have the feeling races are dying. Um, Even before COVID, we had super few races and every year there were fewer in the calendar. And like, it, maybe it's about the feeling that we have out of our bubble, but we believe that in the US, there are pretty good events in amateur racing and that people like think, find them cool and like go there and watch them. Do we just think that or is it true? <laughs> I think it's true. I mean, back in the day when I was a junior, at least, um, it's not really the same now, but I know like the high road and T-Mobile girls would like skip some of the World Cups in the early spring and races in the spring um, to race Merced Classic here in like February, March, Redlands Classic, Sandima Stage Race. So, I mean, these are like top, you know, world-class athletes um coming to california to do these little stage races you know uh to prepare for the rest of the season so it, it used to be really really big um and it, i think it has taken a little bit of a dip recently um but and also losing tour of california as a world tour race uh mm. i think then you you lose like this world standard of cycling in the u.s so uh now it's kind of i feel like it's kind of getting reborn into uh what it what cycling is in the, in america and there are still a lot of races that are hanging on um and doing well but i think the majority of our racing is uh criteriums and uh, that's also what i grew up doing as a junior and i still love it to this day i think i owe a lot of my bike handling and strategy and everything and cornering uh to racing criteriums and i think it's a little bit different than how you would describe a criterium uh, in Europe. We're talking like, you know, 90 degree corners, um, really, really close. And sometimes it's bunched up and sometimes it's stretched out. And, you know, we're looking at like two, 300 meters from the last corner. So the last corner is usually always really important. Um, but right, right now, I think that's holding pretty strong and heavy 
in the U.S. And I even know some Germans who came out and raced in, in the U.S., like uh, Tour America's Dairyland. Uh, my, old, my old coach, Hendrik Werner, he uh, spent a good amount of time in the U.S., and he was saying how he, he made so much money from these criterions. <laughs> But he was also really good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <clears throat> So I guess that's another thing too um, with the amateur racing here in America. Like uh, the money is a really big attract attraction and um, is really well well marketed. And you know, there's a race uh, at the end of the month that's like a hundred thousand dollar prize money um, equal between men and women. So um, the money the money speaks around here. Yeah. <laughs> Where does it come from? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but once in a blue moon, these races come out and um, you get a bunch of people to mm. come out and someone goes home lucky and some don't. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like it's uh, Justin or Corey Williams who uh, can come out lucky most of the time. Um, yeah. Please please explain to us from, from your point of view um, the Legion of LA thing. Well... Those guys are like my brothers. Um, I've known Corey, Justin, and there's a there's actually two more brothers. Um, but the other brother is CJ, who rides and is on the team, and they also have another brother who doesn't ride at all. Um, but the three brothers I am really close to, I think I've known them since I started cycling. Um, and we were on the same junior team together. And um, yeah, we still keep in touch a lot. And they were actually just at my wedding on Sunday. But um, yeah, I think it's what they're doing is really cool. I mean, it's really rebellious, no rules. They do whatever they want uh, and kind of rewriting cycling in the, in the US. And I think uh, a lot of cycling in, I guess in Europe is really like traditional and this is the race and these are the rules, this is the caravan or whatever else. Um, and I think they're trying to, I think they make cycling cool and more attractive to you know, newcomers or, or young, the younger kids and, and folks who are getting into cycling and they make it cool and they still keep it fun and not too serious. And I think uh, that that momentum kind of builds off, off of each other and um, doesn't make it kind of like boring, old and traditional. Yeah, I think it works out. It works out. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you think that the... Uh US cycling scene is like a few steps ahead of the European in regards of uh, equality. I mean, you just mentioned like there will be equal prize money at this big race. And also I think with like uh, the Legion of LA, you kind of feel like that they're like pushing the woman's side as strongly as the man's side. So you think like it's, yeah, they're, they're a few steps ahead or is it not really the case? So like it's also, no, yeah. it's also the, the, the National Federation actually doing his bit to support that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think they are a little bit ahead of the curve. Um, yeah, I think um, I, they have a small women's team right now. Um, but yeah, the fields are a little bit smaller, but they still have big hitters and they're both winning, you know, races like they both won the overall at Tulsa and, and everything. So um, and also the races that get put on, I think they also, um, you know, keep uh the equality there with the prize money and everything. And uh, it, it makes for good racing. And I think it attracts uh, more people to, to race. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think it's helping to push it, push it further. My first, uh, the first question that came to my mind was what went wrong with the fourth brother? 
<laughs> I don't know. I, I believe he's the he's the oldest one. Um, but uh, I think he was probably a bit older when uh, I think the the rest of the family like really got into cycling. So okay. I've only met him a handful of times when he comes to watch the races. Um, but at least the cycling part of the brothers uh, is Justin, Corey, and CJ. Mm. And um, I have to say, I want to put this on record that CJ is the funniest brother of all. <laughs> <laughs> you might not know him, but he's the funniest. <laughs> okay. We, we should get him in here, maybe. <laughs> um, okay. Classical Besenwagen question. Uh, do you remember your biggest bonk? Oh, my biggest bonk. I think I had too many. Uh, <laughs> my most recent, <laughs> yeah. I, I'd say that my most recent one that I can remember, like first thing to come to my head, um, was last, uh, no, not last year, but in 2019 in November, um, I just started riding again after taking some time off from my off season. And, um, we were actually on family vacation in Maui, uh, in Hawaii. And uh, it's actually, I would say, one of the best islands of Hawaii to bring a bike to. Um, and so did some research and, you know, looked up some riding and I thought, oh, yeah, it's perfect. I'll, we'll bring bikes and we'll start riding. I'll start, you know, training from there and it'll be great. And um, it was actually beautiful. A lot of great riding. Um, there's a volcano called Haleakala and you can ride, you know, 10,000 feet, which is, I don't know, like over 3,000 meters. Mm -hmm up and then you go it's crazy you go through all the different temperature and climate changes from from sea level all the way up to it looks like you're on the moon at 10,000 feet um but anyways that that's a that that was a different ride but uh probably my second ride there it was only two hours we went out um yeah towards the west side of the island and then we turned around to head back and I thought yeah two hours I'll be fine I don't need food I'll just have water I'll be okay <laughs> <laughs> it's like my second ride back after taking like two three weeks off and on the way back i was like blacking out <laughs> like i was so hungry <laughs> i couldn't make it and it was a full headwind i had to go behind uh nate my now husband and he <laughs> had to take me back and um on the way back i think we stopped for like some sh hawaiian shaved ice to get some sugar <laughs> and ice in me and i just felt absolutely awful And that was only a two-hour ride, so that was a little bit embarrassing. <laughs> but, but that's a classic after the off-season, right? Yeah, yeah. You just forget. You're, you know, you're like, ah, oh, two hours. I'm fine. I don't need anything for that. And then you're an hour and a half in, and you're like, oh my gosh, what do you and have the, in your pockets? <laughs> and the next year you're doing it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like going to the gym after a long time again, and then uh, you, you think you will take it easy and. Yeah, next day you can't walk. So <laughs> yeah, you're on the couch the for a week. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> off topic, I have some fun facts about Benny. <laughs> we, were talk <laughs> we were just talking about. So He's, I will just drop in there. Yeah. Do you know each other from Benny? Um, oh, where's no, the connection? No, not really. Because standard, team standard. Like that's, yeah. that's, that was the first time we met on Mallorca. Ah, okay. <clears throat> But Benny told me about Corin and um, <laughs> like maybe we can meet her for a group ride. But she was in uh, Europe like for the Spring Classics first time I was there. Um, but Corin doesn't know that Benny uh, also was in this podcast, not 
like personally, but he did research for us. So oh, the cool. listeners know him as Doc Hollywood. <laughs> because because Doc he, ha Hollywood. he has a doctor in biology. <laughs> and Benny uh, is always planning, like, he doesn't write so much, but when he's writing, he has some pretty crazy goals. So he wanted to do Everesting and stuff, but then he went like, okay, there is this mountain on Hawaii where you this where you can go uh, to the highest point and run in one road. Like in one ride from zero, from sea level, you can go to the highest point possible on, on earth on one road without like leaving <laughs> that road. But um, like when you want to do that, you have to uh, go to like, Utah or Oregon in height <laughs> and like uh, build some uh, red blood cells because you can't do it uh, because you get ill then <laughs> and he was really planning that I don't think he, he has made it <laughs> but uh, that came to my mind when you said uh, you did this right uh, on 10,000 feet and he is actually at the moment applying for being an astronaut at ESA <laughs> <laughs> Really? That's, that's, that's great. True. He's, he's in the process. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's amazing. Mm. We have a pretty cool friend, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I know. An astronaut. Uh, yeah. I know him <laughs> since I was like 15 or 16 or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, like, are you actually struggling with like living in, the, in, the, in Europe and uh, not so much in the States? I don't know, I know how often you're flying back to see your husband or your family or now husband but like I know like from a few Americans that they actually find it quite hard to live in Europe I mean most of them living in Girona so that's why I know know a few of them or at least back then and yeah is it hard for you or it's not not such a big problem yeah it, it can be hard for sure I think uh, when I look back at it and step back and think about it I, I feel like sometimes I really do have like two lives so I have like my life at home and then my life in Europe. And um, I think with, with how I like my schedule set up, I just like to go over for blocks and then just come back home in between and then like do an altitude camp or, you know, get ready for nationals at home. Um, so I like to have like bigger chunks of time at, you know, each place uh, instead of just fully living there all the time because I don't, I don't know if I could be able to do that. I think maybe if I had a really packed schedule and, and it wouldn't make sense to come back home. Um, then maybe I would consider living in Europe full time, but, um, I think I'm a true American at heart and I do like to spend time at home and, and see my family. Um, so it, get, it can get hard for sure. Um, I think next year, especially now that, um, we're married, I think Nate should be able to spend more time in Europe together with me. Um, so that's a plus cause we were trying to get him to come over during, um, COVID and, They had to, you had to prove that you were physically together for six months to enter the Netherlands. And uh, we're like together six months out of the year, like one month or two months at a time, but not six months straight. And I even showed like our lease for our apartment that we've been renting for years and that still wasn't enough proof. So uh, yeah, just some weird rules there. But um, I think now that we're married, it should make that a lot easier. But you struggle with like the time difference, like with the jet lag? Oh, that's easy for me. I've done it so many times. Okay. It takes me like two or two or three days to get over jet lag, um, and then I'm I'm pretty good. So, <laughs> what's harder, leaving the dog or the husband? 
Leaving the dog for sure. Hundred <laughs> percent. What kind of dog you got? Uh, he was here a second ago. Tank. Tank. Uh, I have an American bulldog, so it's kind of a mix between an English bulldog, French bulldog, and a pit bull. And he is the funniest little guy. He really is our fur child. He is just like us. Is he tall? Uh, I, no, he's short. Tank. Uh, he's um he's got short legs. He's full of muscle. He's got a big head, um, and he's just really really funny. I gotta get him for you. Hold on. Where's Tank? I don't know. He was just here. And he's got an Instagram account oh. as well. Yeah. Of course. Oh, I need to show you where he is. He won't leave and come to me because. He's on this, <laughs> he's on this okay. fur rug. He, he, he looks funny. He looks bloody funny. He's, he's wearing a donut because he keeps licking his paws. But oh. this is our fur child. <laughs> he got really big head. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think we have to, so. we have to put a, a picture in the story as well. Like, yep. Um... Okay, next question. Who's your favorite colleague? And why? Yeah. On the bike? That's, I'd say that's quite easy. I think it's Liana Lippert, and I like her because she's German, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> for the, for the Basin Wagen uh, followers. I uh, kind of thought that you would say that. <laughs> So, so I asked Liana like for some. She she gave me some code words and oh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, there we I'm go. I'm getting it back. That's mystery for me too. Like um, Bart, Bart, the thing came out. <laughs> some kind of meeting in the bus. Bart, Bart, the thing oh. came out. <laughs> you you want the full story? Yes, we. Like, oh. <laughs> I guess we need the full story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I think it was before the last stage of Tour of Norway this year, and uh, there was a longer transfer from the uphill finish day to the start of the last day. Um, so we had our meeting for the race in the bus on the way over, and there's a, a set of couches in the back that face each other, and there's three girls sitting on one couch and three girls sitting on the other couch, and we're just having the meeting for the race. And... Um, I remember looking out at the window and I just see like all the trees and the green and everything and it was like pretty and then uh, I refocused on the meeting and then I looked up again and all I saw was like the awning, the sunshade coming out as we were driving and I was in shock and I like <laughs> was in a loss for words and I was like, Bart! Bart, the, 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 it's coming out. I was like, Bart, the, 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 I like couldn't find the word, you know, what to call it. And also I think, I don't know what the Euros call it either. I think for me, I would call it an awning. Um, but I don't know if you would even understand, understand that. So then my other teammate Florch is just like yelling, like, stop, stop, Bart, stop. And we were literally just about to drive into a tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> coming out and he stopped just in time we only knocked over one uh kind of temporary road sign because we were driving through a <laughs> construction zone so luckily it wasn't per permanently stuck to the ground we just kind of pushed it over and 
the awning just had a small rip in it. Um, but it was an abrupt stop. And uh, luckily, uh, no one was hurt. No vehicles were damaged. And um, we could just pull the awning back in and we were on to the, the last stage of the tour of Norway. Guys, do you know the word? I can't remember. In German, what is it called? <laughs> no. I can't remember the word as well. <laughs> what? There's some French word, uh, I guess. A uh, Marquise. 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 But, but that's German, I think. I don't think yeah. that's international. Marquise. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, there are two more things. Like, I guess you have to say, Bruder muss los. Oh, I was saving that for the end. Okay. But uh, <laughs> we can but yeah, cut it out uh, here. <laughs> I learned from Liana Brudermoslos, and uh, that was going to be my outro for later. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one? Mm, du bist mein Mandarin. <laughs> uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys know, but there's. Um, Well, I follow the seven second videos on Instagram. Who? It's like the Ger the German meme account. The death no. Seven second, seven sec. I think seven seconds or and it's all just like these German meme stuff. And I have no clue what it is, but and like funny videos, but it's hilarious, and I follow it because <laughs> Liana sends me all the funny ones. <laughs> and there's a guy that showed up there. And he's like kind of this Asian guy uh, who's speaking German and living in Germany, I guess. And uh, I, I don't know. One of the things he sings is like, Du bist mein Mandarin or uh, <laughs> Du bist mein Sonne Blumen. And then he says it like over and over a million times. And that's how I learn a little bit of German as well. <laughs> so <laughs> between me and Liana, we'll, we'll say that back to back and forth to each other just because we think it's funny. <laughs> so it could be an inside joke, but you have to uh, follow the account maybe and, and understand it a little bit more. So, sounds like that fragrance guy. <laughs> I think we know if we, if we see it. <laughs> He's like uh, this bald Asian guy and he has like a little mohawk in the middle of his head yeah. and he says something a million times over and over and over again. <laughs> All right. The German corner with Liana is now finished. Um, <laughs> but but you're gonna leave uh, her, you, as we just uh, yeah, we just yeah, got yeah. told. Like I didn't know that. Uh, but yeah, you're leaving teams, or you're changing teams. Yeah, it was a hard breakup, and uh, I think we're still recovering on how we are gonna approach the future together. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, we'll see. Our relationship will. Well, me maybe be a little bit different, but I think it'll still be funny. That's for sure. <laughs> but but did but did you are you um, when you're in the Netherlands, you're living in a house from DSM, or you have your own place? Yeah, I was staying at the DSM uh, apartments. So next year you have to move somewhere else, but probably still Netherlands or like to yeah. Ludwigshafen. Oder ah, yeah, Ludwigshafen. Friedrichshafen. That's right. She says it's the best place in the world and I still have to go. She actually wanted to host my bachelorette party, but we just kind of ran out of time. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, um, you're going to Jumbo Visma and uh, I think by the time this podcast coming out is also official, I hope. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, should be. Yeah, like how, how does it come that you changing teams? Like you just needed a change or more possibilities? Yeah, I or, think... Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, five years on the same team is, I think, quite quite a long time. Um, I, I don't think I was on a team for that long ever before. Uh, maybe just even college, like I was there for four years. Um, but that's maybe a little bit different because you, you kind of know that it's going to end mm-hmm. at a certain point. Um, but yeah, I just needed to change something fresh. Um, apparently, I still like the Dutchies and their way of working, um, but also to ride under the leadership of, uh, I think, Mariana Voss, um, I think would be really cool for me. And I think we're both really similar riders, and I think I could learn a lot from her. And um, yeah, I think, uh, you know, they're a new team and we can kind of, you know, mold it on how we, you know, we want it to be. And um, yeah, just a new group of girls and keep, you know, just freshen it up and and uh, be with a new group. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're still developing as a rider, <clears throat> but in what direction you're seeing yourself developing or what direction you want to develop? I mean, I, for me, for yeah, me you're a sprinter, you know, and but mm-hmm. you're obviously light as well, so you should, <laughs> you, you should, you yeah. should be good on hills and so on. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it's funny, though, because most people see me as a sprinter, but... I just, I, for me, I just see myself like as a bike racer, you know, like whatever, wherever is this finish line, like I'll find the best way for me to cross it first. Um, and I am light and I do really well with the, the short punchy hills. Um, and yeah, for, that means just like the classics, you know, like I, I love the classics. I love that kind of one day racing. Um, and Voss is, uh, has more or less perfected how, how to, how to win that, those kinds of races. And, um, yeah, I think it would just be really cool for the both of us to be teammates and also for me to just learn from her. So you're getting a leader role as well from the, from the beginning. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you still want to accomplish in your bike career? Which race do you maybe want to win or something else? Well, I finally got that stage at the Giro, so I guess I don't have to do the Giro anymore. <laughs> <laughs> But I was told uh, a while back that you, you need to you need to win a, a Giro stage in your career, and I I don't really think that way. I'm just like, well, uh, you know, if I'm good for a race and I, I get it, and if I'm not, then that's just how the cookie crumbles. But now that I finally won that stage, I was like, well, then I never have to do the Giro ever again. <laughs> But um, I think uh, with the women's tour coming up, I think that'd be a really cool race to be part of and and to do well in. And also Plouet, I really love that race and it suits me well. And I've got second and third before. And uh, yeah, I didn't have the best luck this year, um, but uh, that's another race that I'd like to to get a hold of and tick off. Um, but uh, And yeah, just to perform in the classics, I think also Amstel is a really good race for me. Uh, I know it on the back of my hand. I could tell you every single climb and turn right now. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I just love racing. You just put me in a race and I'll figure out how to get myself to win or someone from the team to win. And I love the strategy and the game. And there's not really a particular race that sticks out to me that I'm like, I need to win this or I'd like to win this. Um, I think just in general, I kind of like winning. <laughs> What about Paris Ruby? I don't know. Uh, I obviously didn't make it this year since um, I had other things to do. But um, uh, to see the first one, it looked pretty epic. Um, I think the blisters uh, on my feet from my wedding would be pretty pretty similar to the blisters <laughs> I'd get on my on on my hands uh, <laughs> from Roubaix. Um, 
but yeah, that's that was a pretty epic race. It looked really cool. Um, and I think technically I'm a, I'm a good rider for that. Like, I think I can handle technical things really well. Um, but I think the, the raw power on flat cobbles, I, I normally tend to struggle with, with my weight. Um, I think I'm just like bouncing around all over the place. Um, cause I tend to like more of the uphill cobbles. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll see maybe down the road if that's something that suits me. And I think I'd have to go over there and ride it and see see how I would do and spend a little time investing some time and in, in getting good at it. Um, but yeah, I think I'd love to do it once in my career, but I don't know if that's something that really suits me well. Is there any... Do you agree or disagree? I, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> yes. I, I w like if it's a, like in a man's race, I will, I will agree. A woman's, I don't know, because I think in women it's still like you don't have so many specialists you know like in a certain area it's a bit more mixed you know and uh, so actually I don't know so I mean I, I wouldn't have said before Paris Bay that Lizzie Dykeland is doing an 80 kilometer solo yeah. she can do that on a hilly course I would say yeah but like on that course against Ellen van Dyke but then you saw van Dyke she couldn't handle the couples at least not the wet couples so I think it's more about like bike handling skills and uh, when you saw the The group, you know, for place, I think, four, or from place four, it was like a mix of riders. So, I don't know, it would be interesting to see you there, you know. As, as you said, like, you have good biking skills, so maybe you can suck some wheels, you know, the whole day, and then... <laughs> do a cold rally. Uh, do, doing a cold rally. <laughs> yeah, do a cold rally. <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, sprint well in the velodrome. But I find that uh, in, a woman's, in a woman's peloton, really interesting that you can't really, or you don't have really this specialists. Well, uh, not uh, yeah. not like a man cycling, not not yet. Yeah. Right. Um, is there any rider in the women's peloton you like look up to or something like besides Liana? <laughs> <laughs> Me and Liana are eye to eye. <laughs> except uh, except when we're actually standing next to each other. <laughs> But um, I think, uh, yeah, I guess in that case, I look up to everyone because I'm probably one of the shortest riders in the peloton, mm -hmm. physically. But uh, um, not necessarily. I think, um, I mean, if you're racing and you're trying to beat the other person, you know, you can't really look up to them. Mm. Um, but I'll, when I was younger, um, I really looked up to Ina. Tuttenberg. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, she'd come and do the races in California. And that's kind of how I knew her, um, you know, on a little bit more personal level, because I, I could race against her. And you're like, whoa, you know, she's won all these races. Um, and uh, in like all different kinds of ways, she can win in a sprint or solo or in a break or whatever. Um, yeah. And even when I was young, I think I had some conversations with her. And I think actually, um, it might need to be fact checked. But my first national championship as a junior in 2004, uh, she actually was there at Park City, Utah. And I think she might have given me my medal when I, when I won. So I don't remember exactly, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure uh, it was her. So. Yeah, she's like a proper personality. Yeah? Like, I, I mean, someone you probably talk about in the next, or like even 10 years, you know. So, yeah. Maybe, yeah. And she was, I know that she was like the boss of the Peloton. Like, if something was not cool, 
you know, if there was something not good with a couple riders, like she would just iron that out and be like, you stop being stupid, you stop being stupid and, you know, race, you know? <laughs> okay, I'm pretty much done with my questions. Guys, nah. do you want to know more? Yeah, I would like to ask, like, which race, if you could win one race, which one you would like to win? But as you said before, you don't really care because you just want to race. I mean, I have emotions about certain races, so I don't know if you have actually, if there's like one race you would say, oh yeah, I really want to win it if I have just one win left. I think uh, then it would be world championships or Olympic championship or Olympic games for sure. Like a big championship race. Um, I think, uh, yeah, to wear the stripes for a year, it would be just unreal. And uh, yeah, to be an Olympic champion and also I think as an American and Olympic champion, I think it speaks pretty big volume uh, in the U.S. And I mean, that's where I'd say mo more Americans kind of tune in to, to cycling because then it's more on TV. But um, yeah, one of those two, I'd say. If I had one, one race left to win, it'd be one of those two. Andy, final question. F final question questions it's like something mm. like a category here so you, you so you, <laughs> you need to know like in normal interviews we always like we're actually saying goodbye and everything and then i said oh wait, i have a question then maybe comes another one another one so so maybe we have to say goodbye <laughs> now <laughs> yeah maybe i will keep that for the german, for the german podcast. exclusive for the german podcast yeah <laughs> ah, yeah you have to make differences all right um then i just have to say thank you corin that you were a guest yeah. That we thank could, you thank, thank you, you that we could be part of your honeymoon yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes of course and um yeah i'm glad i am i'm i'm honored to be the first english speaking uh guest on the podcast and uh, hopefully uh the uh the listeners there's a uh, still they're still around if it's english and not german yeah i, I, I have one question actually so <laughs> yeah me too there, there it maybe is. it's the same maybe it's the same. it's here i don't know it's not about cycling but you're saying you're living near newport beach huh? uh i used to now i'm in tustin ah okay so because i wanted to ask how bad it is at the moment at the beach with like the oil because i, I, I was oh, there like yeah. two months ago and i was like jumping into the waves like a like a like a like a 10 year old and was happy about doing that for hours so it's kind of sad to see that now yeah yeah it was sad i learned about it i think on our wedding day um and a lot of guests were in town obviously and they were really happy to be near the beach and then everything's closed right now and i'm reading that it could take uh even months to clean up um but i think they're doing a really good job trying to keep everything clean because Uh, I think the biggest problem is the oil coming into the, the wetlands. So, you know, the water coming in into the into shore and they just put a bunch of sand so that the oil wouldn't move any further. And they're trying to save and clean up a bunch of animals and birds and stuff. So uh, I think the rescue cr crew is doing pretty well, but I think the beaches are going to be closed for for a while. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but just... Uh, as you said, you are the first guest in our international broom wagon. Um, who should be the next one? Of international? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I think it should be CJ Williams. I think he'd be a great, great <laughs> guest of yours. He could give you the inside scoop behind Legion um, and probably get you laughing pretty well, too. So. Is that the guy who's sitting um, in the office? Always like it. 
I mean, they're always filming one guy in the office and making jokes with him and like pranking him and so on. Yeah, it could, it could be him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and um, he's um, how should I say this? He's a little bit hefty. Yeah. Okay. He's yeah, uh, okay. yeah, a. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, and and he's a dad, so it's actually his dad, his dad bod. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I follow, I follow him for he's quite a while the on social media. So, so he's yeah. the guy who's who's owning the Lambo, right? He's owning the yellow Lambo. Oh, I don't, yeah, maybe <laughs> <laughs> you could ask yeah. him. But uh, he, yeah, he like kind of works as a mechanic, a little bit of office work, and kind of he also races sometimes too. So he's a little all over the place. Helps out where he can. He doesn't mm. have a hundred thousand follow. He does not have a hundred thousand yeah, followers yet. on Instagram. Um, but uh, maybe once he's on uh, Basin Wagon, uh, he will. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's one guy yeah, um, in the in the Swift commercial. Is that him? Oh yes, yes, yeah. that's him. He yeah. is the funniest guy in all of the yeah. Swift commercials because when he hits that uh, mm. that arc <laughs> yeah. thing and his face is like <laughs> his face like is like so happy. Yeah, yeah, that's him. Yep, that's our man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I follow him for quite a while on social. Okay, um, I have like some quite good outro because I can say something to round this up. Um, because when we were starting uh, Besenwagen three and a half years ago, we had the category, we dropped that uh, by now, but we had the category like, social media tips. And I think in mm -hmm. episode two or three or something, The social media tip was Corin Rivera, <laughs> and now you are here. It's like dream, uh, dream come true. <laughs> <laughs> wow, the second tip already. Yeah. Why did it take three and a half years? And we had to learn English. <laughs> 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 But uh, I, I guess we get judged in like a few weeks if, if it was successful yep. or not. <laughs> But yeah, I'm uh, curious about that. All right, Corin. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the rest of Thanks, your honeymoon. Thanks, guys. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Right. And now, Bruder Moslos. Ciao. Bye.